Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Everybody, welcome to Astros Baseball. It's Sunday, July 21st. The Astros have just swept the Texas Rangers, and you know how much I love that. Uh, joining me on the show today, I'd like to introduce you to uh, H-Town Wheelhouse. Uh, you want to say anything about yourself, H-Town? Yeah, hey guys. Um, y'all can find me on Twitter at H-Town underscore Wheelhouse or Chancy Edge, um, I believe 25, and so... If you look up H-Town Wheelhouse, you'll be able to find me. And also check out my Facebook page called Stros 411 um, Our slogan is always positive, always Astros. It's a, we are trying to be a revolutionary social media site where people can interact, find all things Houston Astros, and it be a positive, uplifting environment. We don't allow people to use foul language, things like that. So we police that pretty heavily, and we've had great results. Um, I've just been a I've, I've been a sports enthusiast my whole life, especially Houston Astros growing up in Houston. Um, and so baseball is my wheelhouse. So that's why I went with H-Town Wheelhouse. OK, so you have the Stros 411 and they can find that yes. on Facebook. Yes, on Facebook. Yes, sir. If you just look up Stros 411 and what's what's great about it is anything they want to know, whether it's minor league moves. One of the guys on our staff um, runs um, Astros Future, a guy named Jimmy Price. Um, I pull in different podcast um, articles from various sites. So it's a, kind of a one-stop shop. So you don't have to go to eight different sites to find out the information. We try to streamline it all in one area. Okay, so you're talking about having a positive attitude there in the yes, sir. Facebook page. Yes, sir. Uh, did you have to boot anybody out this season talking bad about Mr. Tyler White? We have had to control that somewhat. Um, what I do is if I see people that are kind of repeat offenders, I'll hide their comment the first time. And then if I see a second or third comment, I will private message them and let them know what we're all about. I've lost a couple followers, but all in all, we're over 28,000 followers now to where when I took it over last year, we were right at about um, seventeen or 18,000. And so it's actually um, actually had a positive effect. I found when I engage people one on one in private messaging, it kind of wakes them up. And most of the time, they apologize. Um, I've only had one person tell me, "Okay, I'm out of here." So it's actually worked out quite nicely. We let them people know. We let the people know these players are humans. 
they, they have jobs, they have families to feed, and we're not going to glorify or we're not going to revel in someone getting cut. We're not going to disparage people. I mean, you can imagine all this stuff about Tyler White with all the, his weight gain and all that stuff. And it's just, um, right. I think people get the message. You know, I mean, I, you know, I tell them, you can tell me you don't like Tyler White. I don't have a problem with that. But don't make it personal because they're human beings like you and I. I mean, imagine if we were out there and people were making fun of every little imperfection we had. I mean, good Lord. I mean, probably for me, the list would be forever long. Yes, uh, I, that's true. I hear on the podcast and on Twitter have said some negative things and, you know, some hurtful, maybe not too personal, but, you know, a little bit. And after he got cut, because I was kind of thinking that he would probably just stick around forever. And <laughs> once he got cut, I, I felt bad. And I, I put a tweet on there. And I've made a decision to myself that I'm not going to be like that because I, I just don't want to be like that anymore. So it's going to be all positive for me. That's good. And so, you know, him getting cut, I, I felt bad for him. I, I didn't like him and I didn't like the way he was performing. I didn't like the way he was overweight. I, there's, I just didn't like him. But I didn't hate him because I don't know him. So I don't really get too personal well i guess i guess what makes it tough is is when i mean if you're if you're a tried and true astros fan and you hear what the guys in the clubhouse say about him and how much they liked him and how he was a he was a likable guy he was a he was great for the clubhouse um you know those relationships i mean those guys spend more time with each other than they do with their family during the during a long 162 game season so that's like someone in your family, like leaving That's you know what I'm saying? Um, so when I heard all the reactions from the Astros, I was like, yeah, we definitely don't need to pile on this guy because heck, not only is he feeling it, but the team's kind of feeling it too. I mean, you know, obviously they're not losing a player that was contributing significantly, but he contributes to that clubhouse in some form or fashion um, in a positive way. Um, I'm just kind of curious if you yes. heard, me say anything right now i'm i'm hearing i just heard what you said you said did you just hear me say anything right now okay <laughs> uh just just a heads up for everyone listening my daughter tried to facetime me and i said oh my god but i don't know if that came out or not. no that did not come out <laughs> all right so maybe it maybe it took me off the page for a little bit so let's talk about this game let's talk about this yes. game how how do you feel about the rangers and like do you get upset when the Astros lose? I don't like them to lose. And we're back. All right. So we got cut <laughs> off. I think my daughter's FaceTime request kind of missed up with missed the uh, connection up between us. But it did get saved, and hopefully Excellent. it'll be okay. Maybe I'll put a sound effect in between the two recordings. But anyway, we were talking about the uh, Astros and the Rangers. Uh, I want to know your opinion if you hate to lose to the Rangers more than any other team or you just hate when they lose overall. Well, being, being that I'm ultra competitive and I love winning, um, I hate losing, period. But I think, the, I, think it's, I think to the Texas Rangers, and I don't think it's necessarily Texas Rangers. Um, I know, like, Rugnet Odor, I'm like, who wants to lose to that guy? 
Um, Joey Gallo is pretty cool. I can handle him. Adrian Beltre when he was playing, you know. Yeah. Um, but for me, it comes down to a fan base thing. Exactly. And it depends on who I'm around. I have select friends of mine that are hardcore Rangers fans, but when we get together, it's, you know, it's a really cool camaraderie type of thing. But you just, you know, I mean, I guess all fan bases have it. All fan bases have your fans that, like, there's even Astros fans that when they just say stuff, you're just going, oh, can you just please stop? This is nauseating. Um, My thing is the Rangers fans think that the Rangers are this far superior ball club, and they forget that Houston had baseball long before the Rangers even came here. Um, You know, they, they haven't won a World Series. We have. And so I guess it's. You know, it's become kind of this almost unfriendly rivalry where, you know, what's funny is I think the fan bases take the rivalry more more intensely than the actual players do. You know, I I would totally agree with that (laughs) because like like you're saying, it's not besides Roughnet Odor, I really don't have negative feelings towards any of the players. Yeah, but it's more that I hate to lose to them because of the reaction that I'm going to get from people that like the Texas Rangers. And, and I don't like hearing. Smack oh, I had a, I had a, I had a college buddy of mine. Um, he, he posted all, all over social media accounts. He was like, um, be careful, be careful. Astros fans, the T-Rex in the mirror um, is larger than it may appear. The Rangers are coming for you. And I, and I just, and I just, I just sent him a message and said, we're really going to go there. I was like, look, take the lead, you know, get in front of us before you start talking smack. I was like, hey, I was like, I'm not talking smack right now because I know yeah. Oakland could get hot. I know the angels could get, you know, I mean, well, our they, division's actually not bad. Yeah. I, I bet he probably said that before he, the he Rangers did. have a seven. I think their losing streak is not seven. Yeah, seven games, and they've lost like fifteen, seventeen of the last twenty-one year, twenty-three games. I mean, they are in a they are in a big time um, slump right now. All right, so let's talk about this game. In my podcast here, we always recap the game, and it, there's not a whole lot to talk about. Uh, bottom of the first, Brantley with a two-run homer. We're up two to zero right away, and then Santana gets an RBI single to make it two to one. Uh, that Santana guy is a really good ball player. He is a very good ball player. He seems to have the Astros number. I mean, they're just some guys with the, when they go against a ball club, no matter who's pitching, they just, they just do really well. And I mean, he's one of those guys, he's kind of a, you know, quote unquote Astros killer. Now he didn't beat us, but still we know when he gets up to the plate, more than likely he's going to get on base. Right, so we go to the bottom of the fifth, and Jose Altuve with a solo home run uh, into the uh, Astros bullpen. What'd you think about that shot? That was over 400 feet for Altuve. Yeah, you know Altuve's starting to show that he is full strength now. You could tell at the beginning of the season that he wasn't all there. Um, I mean, coming off a knee injury and knee surgery, that that's that's a huge thing with the amount of torque that he produces at 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 five foot five or five foot six, um, with with all those muscles in his body and and just when, I mean, that's why he hits the ball so so far. If you look into his workout regimen and what he does in the off season, I mean, the dude is a brick. You know, he is he may be short, but he is a lot more solid than most guys that are six foot and over. 
Oh, exactly. He's totally a buff little guy. Mm-hmm. So Alvarez, our new probable rookie of the year, gets an RBI single. Astros up four to one. Uh, Josh James comes in in the top of the six, gives up a solo home run to Nomar Mazzara. I be- was I believe that was over to left field, yes. and that made it four to two. And they took Josh James out. Uh, did you hear anything about that injury, or you think it's bad, or just cautionary? Um, it may be. It may be um, precautionary now. Now I don't know because where I'm at, my location, um, I'm having to watch Fox Sports Southwest, which is like what listening to nails on a chalkboard. So mm-hmm. they don't really give a whole lot of information. Plus. Since I'm on vacation right now, um, I was I think I was floating the um, like Lake Travis, so I was listening on the radio here and there. So I'm not 100 percent sure on the Josh James um, incident. Oh, okay. Well, he uh, made a couple pitches, gave up that run. It looked like okay. he was. I think it. I think it was before the home run, but it looked like something was wrong with him. They came out to have a word with him. And he said he was okay. He gave up the homer, then they yanked him out. So, who knows? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, Hinch is always going to err on the side of caution. I mean, Hinch Hinch doesn't give his guys much rope unless it's like a Verlander, you know, unless it's like a seasoned veteran. Um, he's pretty much going to take the safe road out, I think. So, a lot of times, a lot of times I think Hinch may overplay his hand on that, but I would rather him be safe then sorry because we know what they've been dealing with with the with the injuries of the pitching staff and going out you know needing a free agent so it may be precautionary i guess we just have to wait to see either this evening or tomorrow um what comes of it uh we can definitely definitely not uh we cannot uh try to think of the word but we can't take that loss we can't take the loss of Josh James. So we go to the eighth inning. Brantley hits his second home <laughs> run of the day. Another solo shot. His 15th of the year. Astros up 5-2. to two. They bring in Osuna, top of the ninth. He gives up a home run to Forsyth. But we do end up getting the win. And I believe he picked up the save. I, it kind of bothers me when they come in with a three-run lead, give up a homer, and still get the save. Yeah, but what what are you seeing from Osuna? Are you worried about him when we get to the playoffs, or because I'm looking at this? Let me tell you this before yes. you, because I'm worried about him. But I yeah, it was save twenty two, but in July he's given up runs in three of his eight games, which could okay. be big in the playoffs. So I went and looked back at June, and he only gave up runs in two of the games. So wow. that kind of made me feel like maybe I'm not that worried. Well. It, and, you know, this could be something that is multifaceted, um, you know, two or three fold kind of an issue where um, how much how much pressure did he feel in the games that he came in? Um, OK, so the guy comes in and he saves a record 27 games in a row. Correct. You know, he breaks Bradledge's record. Well, at that point, really, the only place to go is either to flatline or go down from there. You really can't go up from there. And it's it, I. It's nearly impossible, especially in baseball these days, and as good as the hitters are and whatever is wrong with the ball is wrong with the ball, it's really hard for these guys to stay, you know, to stay great and superb. And so once he falters, everybody's like, oh, Osuna's broken. And I'm like, but that is the most, like, a closer in baseball is like a kicker in football. Like, unless a kicker in football is making every field goal, 
he absolutely sucks. You know, they're like, he's a terrible kicker. Let's get rid of him. Oh, look, he's a closer. He's struggling. I think it's okay that he's struggling now because he still has August and September to work through things because you know they're studying film. You know they're looking over things. You know Brent Strom. And, I mean, A.J. Hinch is not going to sit on the sidelines and go, okay, we're just going to let this guy struggle through September and hope he figures it out. Um, what I hope they don't do is I hope they don't flip-flop Presley and Osuna. I think once you stop flip-flopping, yeah. like set-up men and closers, I think you really rattle the confidence of a pitcher. Um, I don't think Osuna's lost his confidence. Um, I, he looks frustrated a lot more lately, and he looks more stressed in his outing. So – there's something that's not happening when he's delivering the ball. Um, and I bet you it's something they just have to work through. Personally, I'm not worried about it, um, but I'm always a glass half full kind of guy anyways. Right. If you do watch him, he does. I didn't think he did it today, but he usually throws at least one ball about five feet short of the plate. Mm, so he's struggling yeah. a little bit, but I think what you said about his success with the 27 – 27 yes. saves in a row. I think we might be a little spoiled. So looking at offensively, Brantley, three for three, two homers and a walk, three RBIs, 332 average. Did you expect this when they picked up uh, Brantley? Okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you my honest, my gut reaction. Um, I 100% saw this, and I'm not just saying it um, because, you know, he's doing well. But when they signed him, there was hardly any buzz about the signing except for in Houston. None. And fan bases up north, they're like, oh, Brentley's washed up. And I'm like, you don't understand. Like, Brentley's coming to a team that hits top to bottom. Cleveland, they had one or two hitters, and that was it. And Brantley, if you look at his career, he's a 300-plus hitter. Yeah. So I'm like, there's, there's no question that he's going to fit in and – just watching him play over the years, the way he is, his demeanor, I'm like, this guy is going to fit in, and he's going to gel with this group. And it was confirmed when I read an article, I think it was by Chandler Rome of the Houston Chronicle, about his relationship with George Springer. And G- George Springer has like gained a ton of information on him, just confidence-wise and stuff. And I don't know if you caught this, but Springer gave Brantley a hard time when he got to 10 home runs. Oh, no, I'm sorry. When he got to 100 home, home runs for his career, right? Um, George Springer said, man, it only took you 10 years to get there. And so when yeah. you know players are able to banter back and forth like that, I mean, this is a goldmine. And let's, let's look at him in Torinos. I know he hadn't been doing great lately. But no. you look at our offseason acquisitions and you do the cost-benefit analysis between like Torinos, Brantley, um, you know, the guys we've gotten recently, right? And you compare Machado and Harper, we're getting more bang for our buck right now than those big blockbuster deals. I mean, you know, Mike Trout's really the only big blockbuster deal that's always going to pay off because he's just our generation's Mickey Mantle, as they say. But, you know, I just, um, I love what he's doing. Um, I, I, I saw him having success once he got here, and now I didn't know it was going to be at this level. I mean, Today was his 30th multi-hit game of the season. It was actually – was it 30? I wrote 40. No, no, that no. Po- that's not it was his 30. It was, it was his 30th because yesterday was his 29th. Um, 
and he leads. Um, I think the, I think it's, I don't know if it's Max Kepler. Someone from Minnesota has like 28. So okay, he's, so, he's two ahead now. Okay. So I think I saw this on the TV. It's seven out of his last 12 games mm-hmm. that he has multiple hits. That sound correct to you? Yes. Yes. Yeah. He's, I mean, he is in, I mean, he's a, he's just a high contact guy. He's, I mean, his swing is just impeccable. What they and, said about him on the show, after mm-hmm. the show, when he swings the bat, you can't tell if the guy's hitting a blooper <laughs> over the first baseman's head right. or a 400-foot 400 400 home run. It's the same swing, same speed every time. Yeah, it's, it's, it's impressive. And, um, you know, I mean, can you imagine if he tried to become a power hitter? He probably actually would do pretty decently. Um, but we don't need him to be that because we've got plenty of bats that do hit the ball for yard um, more times than not. Okay, so we got Alvarez two for four today. Altuve two for four today. Yes. And then Yuli Gurriel. I want to talk about him a little bit. Okay. Yuli Gurriel went one for four. He had a nine-game hit streak, and he got his hit in his last at-bat in the eighth inning. So he almost went hitless. So you have the top of the lineup, then you got uh, Josh, uh, Marisnik, Max mm-hmm. Stassi, and Miles Straw combined for 0 for 14. Yeah, I saw that. So if Yuli would not have gotten that hit, that would have been 0 for 18, but Yuli kept it up. I know he had a streak going also, I believe, of five straight games at Minute Maid Park with a home run. Yes. But I was glad to see that he kept the streak going, and now it's at 10. What are your thoughts about how awesome Yuli Gurriel has been lately? Oh, man, he has, he has turned it around, and we, can, we, should, we should get all of, all of the Astros one night to, to write thank you letters to Carlos Beltran. Um, because, you know, when they went to New York several weeks ago when they were on that seven-game losing streak, he went to Beltron and said, hey, what's wrong with my swing? What am I doing? And Beltron went over film with them and said, you need to watch the ball with both eyes, not just one. Now, I've been around baseball my whole life, and I don't even know what that means. But whatever, <laughs> whatever, whatever, because I was like, wait, I always look at the ball with both eyes. Maybe Yuli wasn't, maybe Yuli wasn't turning his – I don't know. But whatever Beltron did, and to much to I think the Yankees' demise in the long run, was he turned it around because now I don't know if you know this, he's got more RBIs in July than Mike Trout does. I didn't know that, but he yes. has a lot. He has a lot. Yes, he has about four or five more than Mike Trout does. See, and... one thing about me is that I've said it all the time here on the podcast. I don't know anything. <laughs> about anyone that doesn't play for the Astros. That's all okay, I care about. Okay. I, I couldn't tell you how many home runs Mike Trout has. I couldn't tell you his RBIs. I couldn't tell you his batting average. I couldn't tell you anything. Right. I could tell you what teams are doing good. I know Yelich is awesome and Bellinger oh, yeah. over in the, at the Dodgers. But, you know, as far as that goes, I really don't know a lot of stats of, of other teams. Uh, but anyway, let's talk about the pitching. You have yes. anything else you want to add about Yuli before I go? I, I don't just, know if I cut you off. No, no, no. I just, I just, um, I like seeing Yuli's success because I think we need it. I think with, I think with Tyler White gone, I think he's going to go back to first base. I think he's more comfortable there too. I mean, oh, he's yeah. a phenomenal first baseman, 
And so to see him come on, because really when he started the year, I mean, he was struggling. Everybody's like, oh, Yuli's not doing that well. You know, oh, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a 250, 260 hitter. I'm like, no, this, this guy should be hitting 280, 290 consistently. Um, And I I just, um, I like it because he too has really melded well into this ball club. I mean, the cohesiveness of this ball club from top to bottom is just really, really fun to watch. So they also mentioned he was 35 years old. He was on the yes. decline. I even read stories that uh, the Astros need to address the first base position and replace him, and he's proved all that wrong. I mean, let me tell you this. I know me and you, this is the first time we've ever talked. We've, ha- we've had some kind of uh, rapport there on Twitter. We know yes, each sir. other from Twitter. But me personally, my favorite player, Springer. Yuli Gurriel, for the last two or three years, has been my second favorite player. Mm. Uh, do you have a favorite player on the team before we move on? Yeah, my, like, my, favorite, my favorite player is Jose Altuve. Um, it just has been since he came up. Um, it was something about his size and stature that kind of drew me to him. And just as he's just excelled and exceeded all expectations, um, I would say probably um, Altuve won um Bregman two and Springer three but man Springer is Springer's my son's favorite player (laughs) Springer Springer I think this guy if if the writing's not on the wall for him to get signed and try to make him a career Astro I don't know what else he has to do to cement his place because he definitely I mean there's got to be something going on with the Astros and George Springer behind closed doors. There's got to be. Because me as an Astro fan and a Springer fan, yes. I am nervous, wondering what has taken them so long to take care of it. But I can't see them playing for anyone else. No, I can't either. You know, I can see Correa going somewhere else. Um, I can too. But I'm telling you, if you can – can you imagine – you know, we grew up watching Bagwell and Biggio. Other people grew up watching Scott and Ryan. Can you imagine having Bregman, Altuve, and Springer to play their entire careers in Houston? Now, I don't know if that's possible financially, monetarily, but man, I that brought would that up be before. Amazing. We okay. have Springer, Altuve, Correa, Bregman, all these players. We're not going to be able to financially keep all of these guys when they start wanting thirty million dollars a year. But I mean, yeah. maybe, maybe we can, but I don't think so. Well, I think Carlos Correa, in my mind, has always been the odd man out. I just, I think he's, to me, I think he's going to be drawn to New York. I, there are some other things, and I, <laughs> I'm not going to say it on the podcast, but there are things off the field that I think will also draw him away from Houston. Um, I don't, I don't think his final destination will be here. I've never been convinced that he was going to stay here long term. Okay, so you and I have never spoken before, and I have never told you that I think Correa is going to be the the guy that doesn't stick around. And I see him as a Yankee guy, a New York guy. So that is crazy that we feel the same way. So now, oh, but so Altuve, I think it was Saturday. It was his, uh, the anniversary of his debut in 2011. I don't know. Yes. Okay. So today pitching our Montero. So I'm barely learning how to say these guys' names. Uh, five innings, two hits, one run, six strikeouts, two walks. Amazing day for Armonteros. Is that how you say it? Yes. Yes, Armonteros. Yes, sir. 
Okay, so James, two-thirds of an inning, he gave up a run. I think he was hurt. McHugh, a third, one and a third inning, a walk, no hits, no runs. What are your thoughts about McHugh staying in the bullpen? Because that is where I think he belongs, not in the rotation. Yeah, I mean, obviously right now you can't put him as a starter because he hasn't been stretched out. So his, you know, when you're bringing a pitcher, from what I understand from 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 baseball people that know the game more than I do, when you when you have a pitcher that that has several years under his belt and he's coming off of an injury and he hasn't thrown six or seven innings, you don't just go, hey, you're starting today because you've started before. Like it's not like riding a bike. You've got to extend that player over time. And I've been a little a little confused as to why they don't why they haven't pitched him in certain relief opportunities where I think they probably could have gotten wins and they would put other arms in and they kind of faltered. And I'm thinking they're babying him right now because they know that Colin McHugh can come in when he's on and he can eat up three, four, maybe five innings if you have to have them. And he's a very smart pitcher. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I like him in the bullpen. I think he could be a starter again, but the way this ball club's built right now, I just don't think that's where he best benefits the team. What my views of Colin McHugh, he is a decent starter, someone that you can put in there. Uh, it seems to me like once everybody has seen him, you know, they've got a bat under the belt that he's a little easier to hit. Not sure. I don't have the stats. But let's go to the last five games for the starters. Okay. Garrett Cole. Seven innings, one run. Wade Miley, 5.1, two runs. Justin Verlander, six innings, two runs. Urquidy, seven innings, one run. Armonteros, five innings, one run. That's one, five, seven runs in the last five games by the starters uh, in this five-game win streak. So you got to have starting pitching. You have to. Well, remember, during the seven-game losing streak, and then even kind of before that, when they – lost the first two to the Rangers or they lost those first two to the Angels more recently. Um, you know, you look at those games and everybody kind of panicked. Oh, my God, what are we going to do? We don't have pitching. Our pitchers aren't – I mean, and what happened at, What happened was the hitting and the pitching both went into decline mode, right? So they are, are you both... referring to the two games where we did the opener – yeah, I'm okay. referring to that. Um, okay. You know, I just I just saw that whenever we – that and you go back to when we went to Cincinnati, got swept, when, when, we, when, we, when we played the Yankees before we started winning again, I just remember the pitching was like – it was like – they were like, oh, my gosh, Cole's – you know, Cole had, a, had like one or two starts, but it was like Verlander was giving up three home runs and all these things, and you had, you had all this stuff going on. But that's what's been the key these last five games is I, I think Urquidy has got a huge upside. Um, I think this year, especially because there's not a lot of film on him, and I think that's going to benefit him. The real test for Urquidy, I think, will be towards the end of the season or on playoff time and going into next year. How does he transition into being a part of a major league rotation? Because I see him as a number five starter right now, to be honest with you, the way he's throwing. Yeah, he looked pretty good. So I just I just got this live update. Okay. 
Um, I was looking at the the A's and Twins game. Uh, the A's were up. Well, the Twins started up four to zero. The A's came back to take a six to five lead going to the ninth inning. Because you want to keep an eye on Oakland. Yeah, exactly. Minnesota just scored two runs in the bottom of the ninth, so the Astros got that half game. Nice. So that that's helps. excellent. So no, yeah, Astros, that does help. So the Astros, five-game winning streak, second-best record in the American League. Today, or this series, their 10th sweep in a row, 11-6 wow. and six for the year against Texas. Dominating the AL West, I believe they put the stat up 33-11 and 11 versus oh, the AL West. Man. That's unreal. So what are your thoughts about the Astros dominating the West? Do you think they can uh, overcome the Yankees? Is the Yankees the one that's in first? Yes, yes. The Yankees are in first. They're only in first by, like, I think they have. They are 64 and 34, and they're losing by four points, right? Four points, four runs. They're down four to the Rockies. 64. Astros, what is the – they so, both have 64. Okay. So, 64 and 37. And then, I lost them now. That's okay. So, the Yankees, I think, have three or four fewer losses than the Astros do. They have 34 um, losses. Okay. Yeah, so they got three losses. So, right. um, the Yankees, I think, are the true roadblock to any World Series run the Astros will have. I think in the long run, I'm, I'm I'm hoping and praying that that we through through free agency get a solid third starter, and I think once we get that third starter, whether it's Madison Bumgarner, whether it's Marcus Stroman, whether whoever it is to bring in that third player, I don't think the Yankees can match the Astros in a seven game series when it comes to the pitching we have, and if our pitching is doing what it's supposed to do. And with our lineup, um, if I think. You, it's, yeah, sorry. If you add a starter, a reliable, good starter, and Bumgarner's the one being talked about. He's awesome in the playoffs. We all know this. And now you have Alvarez in the lineup, and then you get Correa back. Oh yeah, you, I, uh, I I think we're going to be unbeatable. I think it, I think we're going to win it off. Everybody's healthy. That, that's no, just I my do, opinion. You know, I do too. And and you know. I honestly think the ALCS, I picked my preseason predictions that it would be the Yankees and the Astros, and I picked that it would go to seven games again. What the Astros want to do and what they need to do is they need to get on top of at least the American League so that they can have home field advantage on their side of the playoff bracket. I don't know that we're going to catch the Dodgers, but we don't have to catch the Dodgers. We played that game before we can beat them in LA. So like going to Dodger stadium is like, Oh no, we're going to Dodger stadium. We're going to lose. But I just, I don't see anybody out of the national league other than the Dodgers. You know, I had actually originally picked the Cubs to go to the world series, but I don't even, I don't think the Cubs have, have enough stamina to outlast. I mean, the Dodgers right now, but you know what though, the Dodgers pitching, um, when you get, I mean, they got Rayu, they've got, um, Actually, Walker Bueller is the only pitcher I'm really worried about facing. I'm not. I'm not worried about Kershaw. I'm not worried about Rayu. I'm. I'm worried about Walker Bueller. That kid's a stud. That kid has got. He's. He's got a fire in his belly. Um, but I. It think almost has, seems. Uh, it almost. Sorry. It almost seems no. a done deal that the Dodgers are going to go. I mean. Oh yeah, I think. But, I. I think it's almost. I think it's almost a foregone conclusion. Almost. It's kind of like MLB's version of like Golden State. I just. I just. I just think you just already put L.A. 
in the World Series. Now, I want to turn L.A. into the Buffalo Bills of the MLB where they, like, go to, like, four World Series and lose all four. You know, that would be kind of nice. So, something you don't know about me. I grew up in Oklahoma, so I'm an Oklahoma Sooner fan. Okay. Diehard OU football. Diehard. And they, that's how they are. They win the Big 12, they get to the Final Four playoffs, and they always lose. They, they, <laughs> they're always good enough to get there, like the Dodgers oh, have man. been the last two years, but they can't close the deal. You know, yeah, I think I would rather be out of the playoff picture than, than, than go that far and, and, just, and just lose it every time. You know, that's, that's got to be brutal. Of course, I mean, the Dodgers are going to be hungry, right? I mean, yeah, the Dodgers, you know, the Dodgers too, the Dodgers have a lot of young players that are, have just come on the scene and just, just taken the league by storm, you know? Um, so, but what would be cool? And the reason why I think Madison Bumgarner is, is, is a high probability is he knows how to pitch the Dodgers. He's pitched them for years. I mean, his whole career, you know, yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you want to have him in there going against the Dodgers in the World Series? That'd be great. So I'm not sure. I guess we could talk about it another time here, but I'm not sure what we would have to give up to get that guy because it would only be a rental. Right. But, I mean, I, I don't know. We could talk about it some other day because, like yeah, I said, that's fine. I, I, my wife's in there cooking dinner, and I'm already pushing 40 minutes here. <laughs> It's all good, man. So, so the uh, the Astros have the A's coming up. Uh, the first one, we've got Cole, Miley, and Verlander. You couldn't ask for anything better. Oh man, no. I think I think it's I think I think it sets up nicely when um, you're I, facing the team yeah. that's coming after you. Yeah, exactly. And you know that's the thing. The Astros embrace that role, though. The Astros know that everybody's coming after them. You know, I mean, with guys like Bregman, they're like, okay, bring it. You know come at me, bro, as, you know, the kids say or whatever. But um, I think it sets up perfectly. And I've been, I've been doing a series with Clyman Tows Hill on Wade Miley. And it's been a really fun series to write um, the Miley Chronicles. And, and just, he has just outperformed, I think, every expectation that anybody had. Um, so and, that's another thing we yes. have in common. We both write for uh, Climbing Tows Hill. That's right. And you are on – I don't do as many stories as you, I don't think, because of my work schedule, but you are on, like, episode six, right? Somewhere around that of the Miley Chronicles? Yes. No, I'm on – we're actually um, – I just wrote volume eight. So his next <laughs> – yeah, his next adding will be volume nine. Um, wow. You know, it was – it was, you know, I got to meet him just recently. We got his autograph, and I had him inscribed under his signature, the Miley Chronicles. I just that, – that, that made my day. Yeah. <laughs> So if you don't watch, I mean, if you don't listen to or read, man, I can't think of what to say. If you don't <laughs> read uh, Climbing Tall's Hill, some of, some of my listeners may read it because I, I tell them when I, re- when I write a story. But if you're a Wade Miley fan, go check it out, the Miley Chronicles. Uh, for the A's, they got Bailey, 4-6-9 ERA, 8-6 against Cole. I think we're gonna, we should win that one, but yes. you never know. Uh, Fires, Mike Fires, former Astro. He's doing very well. He's got a 3.64 ERA, nine and three. And did he pitch another no hitter this season? Or I think, I I, th- I think he did. Or was I that think he team? did. Yes, he did. You know, um, you know, I always there's just something I like about Mike Fires, but also Mike Fires, man, the way he pitches in his motion. If that ball's not down and it's up, dude, he's giving up the long ball. You know, Mike he's Fires, either he, you know, 
Mike fires at one time because I always like to ask people, like, I not I don't I don't know how to word this, but like, is there any player that you think is going to be disliked by the fans? And when Fires was here, he wasn't liked by them. Like, he wasn't a very liked person. Right. But he was a key part. He was a very big part in that World Series year, holding things together with the injuries. Oh, yeah, he was. He was he a was. big part of it, and he threw a no-hitter against the Dodgers that year. And, you know, he's actually better now than he was when he pitched for us. No, yeah, he's a, you know, he's a good – I think he's a, I think he's an average to above-average starting pitcher. Um, he's – uh, he definitely has worked on stuff. And, and so um, you just know going against the Astros, um, he's got that competitive attitude about himself. You know, like when he, when he was the opening day starter for them, I think it was like last year, whatever, when he first came on with Oakland, he was like, oh, yeah, you know, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna take out the Astros. He was like basically like talking smack to his formal team. It was actually kind of funny. And I know, like, a lot of Astros fans, it really ticked him off. They're like, oh, how, how dare he disparage his former team that got him the <laughs> ring. And I'm like, what do you expect the guy to do? I mean, he's a competitor. Of course he's going to be like, you know, he's going he's gonna to go full bore into this. He's not going to go, oh, they're my friends. I don't want to strike them out. Forget he, that. He has, he has to show his new team yeah, he's that he wants himself. to win. He has to show his team yeah. that he doesn't care that he has friends on the other side. He wants to win. So they have Bassett mm-hmm. pitching on Wednesday. Yeah. So the Astros will be off Thursday. And then a really cool series next weekend. They travel to St. Louis to play the Cardinals. Yes. And then a day off, and then they play Cleveland. So a lot of good action here. We got a clo- the second-place team in the West. We get to travel to a former foe and then to Cleveland. Maybe we'll pitch – maybe we'll uh, – uh, Bauer will pitch against us. It should be an exciting matchup. I, I, I like this. And it's not just the Angels and the Mariners over and over like it's going to be soon. Right, exactly, exactly. Okay, so Hinch, I read a story of him today. This is almost the last part. He was talking about Correa. He said he texts with him every day. But he said by video, he looks incredible. He's playing with freedom, no issues. It's a good sign. And it says Correa should be back on Friday. So that yes, would be yes, St. Louis. That. Yes. And then I'm going to say one more thing and get your opinion on this. Okay. And the story also said Diaz is close to returning. So that should spell the end of Tony Kemp and Miles Straw. Yes. Um, and I think it's for me, because um, I know Miles Straw has a couple more times where he can come up and go back down. So he's not like at the end of his road. I think Tony Kemp is nearing the end of his time with the Astros. I think in the long run, he won't be a part of this team just because I don't think there's going to be room for him. But Miles Straw, even if he does go down, I think Miles Straw has done enough to carve his way into the roster where you have him as a utility type player. I really like Miles Straw. Um, not just for his speed. I just I think he's got a lot of intangibles for a young player. Um, and I think he's, you know, quote unquote your pro's pro. Um, Tony Kemp, you know, you can't say enough of good things about him. I just I just I just think because this team is so deep, um, that that Tony Kemp will never really work his way on to being more than a platoon spot starter. Um, you know what I'm saying? I think I think Kemp. If will... if the Astros wouldn't have got Brantley, I think Kemp would have been a starter this year. Uh, yeah, that's you know 
that makes sense. That makes that makes perfect sense. Either that or he fits he would, in well. Him there. and Marisnik would probably play about fifty fifty. Yeah, if we didn't get Brantley. But yeah, yeah, you know, um, I I hate to hear that about Straw because man, I love I love that kid. He is he is a he's a phenomenal ball player. Well, all right, buddy. I do appreciate you joining me here. I yeah, gotta go definitely. eat dinner. Uh, my wife said five thirty, and I'm <laughs> it's nearing six. But I had fun. I do appreciate yeah, me too. it. And uh, hopefully we can get back together soon. Yeah, man, let's do it. Hey, Rob, thanks, thanks for everything. I mean, you did a great job, um, great conversation, and go Astros. All right. Thanks for listening to Astros Baseball. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca Cola, Pepsi, or 7 Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.